Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. And today I am here with a full moon baby, a Libra sun, Aries moon, Libra rising. We are going to have to talk about that a little bit because that is, that's a, a fun, interesting, dynamic cardinal access to be on. Bunny Michael. Bunny Michael is a spiritual coach and multidisciplinary artist who has dedicated their work to awakening higher self, the manifestation of love within all humans deconditioned by the limitations of ego identity. What began as a viral meme series on Instagram, garnering over 200,000 followers, has now expanded to a popular advice podcast, XO Higher Self, and a book deal with Little Brown Imprint, Verocious Books, set for publication fall 2023. Bunny is a Made in New York Women's TV Film and Theater Fund NYFA grant recipient and is currently co-creating, writing, and starring in a web series, What Would Higher Self Do? However, it has now come out. It has since dropped. Yeah, I need to update that bio. (laughs) (laughs) Bunny, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. First, let's get started talking about this new series, because I also have to tell our listeners that we are were connected just a couple of months ago because we are both were given access to this new Instagram subscriber feature. Mm-hmm. So obviously there were only 10 of us in the whole world, which was like really bizarre, wild, yeah. crazy Yeah, because, you know, there was such a small group. We have a message thread going on. So we've started to get to know each other. I subscribe to your subscription and you have incredible, you're giving different exclusives and early access. So I took advantage of the early access to your new series and I watched some of the episodes and they are so funny, so talented. So Cindy Sherman. (laughs) So a lot of Cindy Sherman vibes. But can you tell us about the series and everything that you're dropping right now and working on? Yeah, well, it started off as an idea of kind of bringing the memes to life because, you know, I was making these memes where it would be like the voice of me and then the voice of my higher self, like really illustrating the shift in perspective. And that came about because around 2016, there was these evil Kermit memes going around. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like one Kermit and then another Kermit like shrouded in like the forest. Yeah. It was a Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like the negative thought or whatever. (laughs) I I was on the internet then. I'm on the internet now. (laughs) Haven't, haven't logged off since. (laughs) No worries. Well, at the time (laughs) I was kind of going through like a tough time in my life. It was just like the ups and downs of career, you know, 
bad breakup, all of that kind of stuff. And just really needed some kind of shift. And I started thinking about accessing like the higher perspective. So I was like, what if I made a meme, but it was not the lower thought, it was like the higher thought. And it became a practice for me just to do it my own spiritual practice and share it on Instagram without any expectations whatsoever. And then it just became something that people started to be interested in and it kind of changed my life. And so now my work and every aspect of my work, including all the other mediums of it, are dedicated to bringing about that message that everybody has the access to connect to the part of themselves that is beyond, you know, our learned hierarchical beliefs, our judgments, our biases, any belief that really puts, makes one person better than the other for whatever reason. So when I connected with a friend of mine who was a film director, we started just for fun making little videos for Instagram. This was like four reels, obviously, and before TikTok and stuff. And we were just making these like split screen videos of me talking to myself, sort of like a parent trap kind of vibe, no budget, you know. Um, and then we, we saw this grant that was going out. And we're like, let's apply for it. See if we get it and we got it. And then we sort of had this idea of creating, you know, these short videos, but I had to, I quickly learned that like that grit money was definitely not enough to do the project. And so I had to do a Kickstarter and all this whole long process. Anywho ended up writing this um, series and we're calling them parables because they're each like little lessons. And it's kind of like semi about my real life, but not really basically about me playing a struggling artist, you know, trying to make it in New York City. And it's just one 24-hour period in my life where I wake up from waking up to like my mom calling me on the phone and pressuring me about getting a job to an issue with my roommate to going to therapy and, you know, going through all these different scenarios throughout the day where I have to access my higher self to give me a shift in perspective and help me get through those moments. It's so great. I also am curious, like, what does it entail to create something like that using grants, using Kickstarters? I, you know, it's obviously like, I wouldn't say that the production looks low at all. It looks actually like very polished and really beautiful. And you have different actors and mm -hmm. there's beautiful set designs. Like, how have you been able to create something to that scale? Well, I have to say the people that I, I were able to come on to the project, you know, we're all artists and friends that really believed in the message and care a lot about helping people as well. And who also do professional work in their own field, but kind of craved um, doing something that had a little bit more meaning to them and felt better, you know, because the film industry can be like really, really difficult for a lot of people. So I ended up working with these very professional, you know, people, crew members and stuff like that for like not very much money. Some people were all the actors work for free. Um, every it was really just like a project of love. And it took a lot of <laughs> a lot of work, a lot of maneuvering, a lot of lessons about like money and asking people for things. I mean, if there's one like I felt I felt like doing a Kickstarter was like a spiritual practice. Because I had to face so many things by asking people, you know, directly to support me in that way. And I'm talking about like tens of thousands of dollars. And I had never really been in that position before. And I really had to like 
understand that, you know, I was worthy of, of that ask. Um, Mm. so at every level and every stage of that project was a huge, um, spiritual lesson. And that was what me and my collaborator really wanted to emphasize that it wasn't about the finished project. It was literally about at every step, you know, using the power of our higher self to get us through to the next stage. And, you know, working with your best friend, collaborating with your best friend on a project too, was a huge learning lesson for me as well. So it's so, it was just really meta, you know, because just (laughs) along with the memes, like doing the memes has been my spiritual practice, even though I'm sharing it. And it's, you know, for other people in some way, it's really been helpful to me. Um, Same. It it was the same for this series too. Yeah. I was really, really inspired by the series. And I have to say that like, you know, in full transparency, I was like, well, who's supporting this? Like, what's the studio? Like, is Mm -hmm. this a Netflix spinoff? Like, is this backed by Amazon? Like I was looking for like, well, who's endorsing this and to discover, you know, through my freaky eighth house behavior that like you were the creator and the producer and organized this and orchestrated the whole thing. I was like, really blown away because it's so hard to it's so hard (laughs) period it's so hard to do things but it's also Mm -hmm. so hard to do things when the bar is set so high of like what people's expectations are you know what people the type of content people are used to absorbing especially if it's a series especially if they're video shorts and that it takes a lot of courage to say like we're going to do this and we're going to keep this running and all systems go even at, you know, when it feels impossible, which I'm sure at many times it felt absolutely impossible. Yes. There are plenty of moments like that, but I think what ends up happening, I feel like for all creators in a way, you have to get to a point where you kind of have to let go of expectations. And that's sort of how I approached it. I was just like, well, you know, however it comes out, it comes out. We're doing the best that we can with what we have. And honestly, when it was actually all done, I was like, wow, like I didn't expect it to be like for me to like it as much as I did, I think, because I was so close to it. And, you know, you always have insecurities and things like that. And I've been working on it for so long. But I think that the reason why was because throughout the whole thing, I just kept telling myself, you know, it doesn't have to be anything. It just has to be a what it is in this moment of time. And I really feel like that's the truth about all art and all creation is it's just really capturing a moment in time in the, in your own growth. That's all it really needs to be. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, I, I guess the reason that I'm, I'm so fixated and curious about it is because it speaks to very much the, a lot of the work that you are doing, which I guess is the, the meta layer of it, but it's, you know, when I was a kid um, and I had, I had friends as a kid, I basically would, you know, the type of friends that I wanted to hang out with were the friends that wanted to like make and create things with me. Those were my best friends. Mm -hmm. And many of them are still my best friends. And the spirit of us um, having a play date was like, let's 
you know, put on a whole production. We're going to do something. We're going to take it very seriously in the container. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. my best friend, Emily and I, we met when we were six, we're still best friends. And it would be like, we both recall like getting together when we were six and seven to be like, all right, how much time do we have? We got seven hours. Like, what can we do in the seven hours? Like, let's do it. Let's make it real. And obviously that truth and that play and that just like desire to create um, is so profound and so strong. And then as you get older, it gets harder and it gets more challenging and it gets whittled away. And then there's capitalism and then there's also bills. And then there's the, the, that combined with the feelings of failure and putting yourself out there. And it just makes it so untenable. And I think that there are so many people who, um, in many generations, you know, on a, on a, multiple generational level who have so much creative impetus and so much art that lives inside of them. But for a host of some of the reasons that I just said, and so many others, you know, haven't been able to find containers or spaces to be able to apply it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that one thing that is good about the time that we're living in right now is because it's become very like blatantly obvious in a lot of ways that uh, a higher production value doesn't necessarily make something more impactful or, um, you know, um, more relatable even, and especially in the age of TikTok where you're having people making videos in their bedroom and they have millions of views and they're making millions of people laugh or cry or whatever. Um, it just really goes to show you that that everybody is an artist and everybody is creative. And I'm really happy about the fact that there's access, a lot more access than there was. For me, I've always just been in a situation where I've had to um, make do with what I had. I mean, you know, even when I was from the time I was very young and growing up without that very much to trying to make it on as my own in the music industry, you know, just doing everything independently, learning everything myself, teaching myself everything <laughs> with YouTube videos or, or you name it. I've always been somebody that's just had to find creative solutions because I didn't have certain privileges or certain access to, to things. So I think in the long run, that actually was super beneficial for me because I really had to understand what it was that, why it was, I was what I was doing, you know, what was the purpose behind it? Because if you don't know, you know, what the purpose behind your work is, um, it's really easy to feel that you can't do it without certain things because you, because right. you're trying to mirror something else. Uh, or you think it has to look a certain way in order to fit in. Right. And that's totally understandable. I mean, that's absolutely understandable, but I think you have to get to a point where you realize that your authenticity is your greatest asset and whatever position you're in right now is your authenticity. And that is actually what people relate to way more than expertise, you know, way more than experiences. People relate to people's like sincerity and honesty and vulnerability. I mean, that's really what moves people because you're touching each other, like on a higher self level, you're touching a part of them that they recognize in themselves. So I just feel like we all have access to that and money is definitely not going to make something good, you know? It just, it just, just, it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, it can all, I mean, it ruins a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen 
Wayne's World. We all know what happens when I, and I wish I think about all the time. I think that it is like one of my favorite examples of how like a big commercial mm-hmm. production company, like it would ruin something that is organic and beautiful because mm-hmm. there have been certain times and I haven't been in a position yet where it's really come like been like that sort of crisis of consciousness moment where it's like, Emma, is this going to blow it? You know, I haven't been presented with an opportunity where I'd be like, wow, I could really take this to a whole other level, but would it ruin the authenticity? Like mm-hmm. this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, I've been doing it for three years. Mm-hmm. It's always been exactly as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it has not been sort of swept up in a greater mm-hmm. conglomerate yet. But, you know, I think about like how precarious that is too. And I think about how dangerous it is when you take art and then you filter it through a corporation or you filter it through stakeholders. And obviously, you know, I think a music, the music industry is such a prime example of this. Like we hear this story so like over and over, tale as old as time of like artists, especially up until I guess somewhat recently when artists have been able to control their image a little bit more on social media, but their entire premise being sucked out of them. And then the music industry just being like, well, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, they made all of these albums that didn't reflect mm-hmm. their art. Yes. They changed their image, like totally destroyed that joy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I feel like, you know, when people feel kind of bogged down by the slow trajectory of say their art career or their passion or whatever creative pursuit they're doing, you know, like I, I always kind of want to say like, hey, you know, all of these steps are informing so much, you know, because when it does happen, you want to be in a, a position where you know your power, where you know what it is that you're bringing to the table, because if it happens too soon, you're not going to really be able to see that. And that's when you get into collaborations or situations where you get taken advantage of, or maybe you don't didn't realize what would actually be best for what it is that you're trying to like manifest in, in the world. So I know that the things that are happening, even though, you know, I'm almost 40 right now. And of course, you know, 10 years ago, I would have, if I had known it was going to take another 10 years to, you know, be in the position that I am now, I would have been like, boohoo, you know, what was me. But now I see, oh, wow, like this is happening exactly at the right time. Because even a year prior, I wouldn't have had the insight and the confidence that I have now in really understanding totally. my purpose. It, it took that long for a reason. Totally. I tell people all the time, I'm constantly trying to, especially for uh, folks that are in their 20s, the thing with the 20s and the thing with your Saturn return at the end of it is that it is such a paradigm shift in understanding that that race to have the success, to have the accolades, to have the accomplishment, to make that fucking Forbes 30 under 30 list or whatever stupid ass like publicity irrelevancy, you know, that feels so important when you're an artist or you are a you know, an ambitious person of any capacity. If you want to make mm-hmm. stuff and create stuff in your twenties, it can often feel like you need that outside validation, that outside recognition in order for you to be legitimate, mm-hmm. you know, and then that coupled with insecurities, coupled with egos, coupled with jealousy and comparison, mm-hmm. obviously makes it so that our twenties can feel like this really 
just hyper challenging time where if you don't have everything figured out by the time you reach 30, you're fucked. But the truth is, and what I'd like to remind people is that if you have, if you think you have everything figured out before your Saturn return, you're actually fucked, you know, (laughs) because that's going to come and swing and like change everything and recalibrate everything in your life. And on the other side of it, you're going to step into your thirties with so much more confidence, so much more like depth of character, so much more awareness of who you are and what you want to be doing versus feeling like your identity is going to be clarified through these external validation points. Yes, absolutely. I mean, actually, I was kind of on this like trajectory of success in my 20s. I was part of this music (laughs) collaboration with my partner and, you know, we had a record deal and we were touring and being in all these magazines and all of this sort of unexpected quick success. And it really went to my ego. I mean, because I didn't know the only example I had for other successful artists happened to be extremely egotistical people. (laughs) So I thought, you know, in my mind, I'm just trying to like mirror what it looks like to be cool and famous and popular and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, not realizing how amazing the situations I was in, nothing was enough. I was always looking at the lack. Um, And then it completely fell apart and I had to totally start from scratch. Um, Of course, that's that Saturn return. Was that at the Saturn return? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was also like that relationship I was in was like abusive. So there was a lot of I mean, I basically went from feeling I was like on top or like in this trajectory towards major success. And I was getting like a, you know, A&R meeting with like Atlantic Records to literally not having a quarter to make a phone call because I had, was like bloody in my face from being like punched in the face. Like that was the, that oh was like God. how bottom I had to get before I realized like what was really important. Um, and so since that time, it's just been like this very slow, steady healing and growth and constant spiritual check-in and, you know, just all of that kind of stuff. And I'm very content right now to have faith in the timing of things, because I really realized that that's just that having faith in that is like key, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I also throughout my 20s, I recall, you know, like I when I graduated from college with my art history and studio art degree, I was like, I'm going to be go into gallery work. I'm going to be a gallerist. I'm going to be an art dealer Mm -hmm. because I thought that that would give me an identity, you know, and I thought that it would give me a cool identity. I thought that it would make me someone that people wanted to be near you know, because it was coming from this deep compensation um, of wanting to have and create the things that I didn't have growing up. You know, I didn't have a family that was in the art world. I didn't have a family that collected art. Like I didn't have, I wasn't from like a bougie background and I was compensating through trying to create that for myself and realizing, you know, arriving at the gallery and finding myself sort of doing the things that I was felt like I was supposed to be doing, except I was in 
mounting debt because I couldn't afford to live that lifestyle because Mm. I didn't actually wasn't that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so fragmented, so fractured in my identity, so just like confused, you know, was the first quarter of my 20s. Mm. And that was just the beginning of like so many ego deaths, Mm -hmm. you know, of so many ego deaths of recognizing that what I was trying to build and create for myself, both in my career and then also in my relationships, the people that I was gravitating towards and the people who were gravitating towards me at that time were not healthy, sustainable, honest, authentic people. And you know, having just like a glimmer of like, this isn't you somewhere in the back of my consciousness is ultimately what I also have kind of built my entire career on, you know, ironically, or maybe perfectly, Mm -hmm. or I say this thing called tank, there are no coincidences, Mm -hmm. because it took, uh, I had to sort of excavate so many different layers of bullshit, you know, in order for me to be like, well, what is true about who I am? What is true about what I want? What is true about my story, Mm -hmm. my narrative, like my experiences, because it had been so piecemeal up until that time. Yeah, definitely. I know. I also think that um, I just want to mention how cool it is that you have this. So you're born under a full moon and I love, so full moons are always about opposites and you have kind of like the full moon, full moon, which is, you know, because it's on the Aries Libra access. So it's all about self and then other. And then of course, like you have higher self baked into your titles, right? It's like everything is under the language of higher self. And then that self is Aries and that's your moon, which is your emotional inner self. And then that duality of the full moon back and forth is so captured in your work as having that sort of like bifurcated, you know, dual narration going on. Yeah. And I get, I I have like a stellium in Libra too, I think. Right. Which is also just in in and of itself, like even if you weren't born under a full moon, has the the qualities of balance and reality. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, it's like for me, it's just been a constant thing about getting out of my own way, you know, and like fighting that part of myself that is so self-critical. It's been both like actually like I've used that so much in so many ways to actually like tell this story, like, you know, and people to be able to relate to that voice, but it is still a challenge to like, to quiet it. And I'm still working. It'll be a lifelong, obvious lifelong journey of, of, of that. So with the, um, sort of content that you create, where does the inspiration from that come from? Is it you in your moment? Do you plan in advance? Do you have sort of certain themes that you like to go back to? Or or what is your process of coming up with those storylines? Really? They're they're short videos, but they still have a storyline. Um, yeah, I think I just really pull from my own personal life just because I did, you know, I I struggled. I come from uh, Mexican and Samoan background. Um, so there's like the cultural clash. I come from a family who comparatively was not in the best financial state, according to like, uh, where I grew up. So we grew up around a lot of racism. Um, I came out when I was 15 and was rejected by my family. I ended up being in like a mental hospital as a teenager. So all of these experiences, I feel like kind of 
tell this whole kind of very complete story, actually. Um, the book that I'm writing right now is that each chapter is about a different topic from from gender to to religion or spirituality to social media to like, you know, all of these different aspects. And I've been kind of pulling personal anecdotes from my own life to help tell that story. And I'm just like actually kind of understanding it as I'm writing the book, which is really hilarious. It's like, I'm actually, it's actually writing it is having another meta spiritual experience because I'm seeing all how all of this stuff has been connected in order for me to talk about all of these things and where it actually does come from. And all of those experiences that have led to those beliefs of me not being enough, I was forced to find that voice of my higher self because I, I couldn't rely on the validation of my family. You know, and when you're a young person and that's stripped away from you, where the people that are supposed to love you tell you that, you know, you're wrong, you're forced to be in a position where you find your, you listen to your inner voice and you know that you're not, you know? So all of those experiences I feel like have slowly added to me finding my own sense of validation and and my own sense of self-acceptance and what that really is and how we all have that. And actually that's who we all are. And that's also helped me like heal all those relationships too, you know, realizing that the other people in my life, you know, my family has their own set of conditioning and their own wounds and their own trauma. And, you know, we're all, that's all we are doing. You know, we're all in different position in this journey of awakening to our true selves, to our higher selves. So yeah, I guess it just kind of pops in my head really. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with my experiences. And even if I'm not necessarily conscious of it. Mm -hmm. I, I, what I love about it is that, I mean, first of all, your higher self is so compassionate. And as a Pisces moon, there's nothing that makes me happier than a compassionate Mm -hmm. higher self. Like that is so lovely and beautiful and kind. And do you think that that is the nature of the higher self? Do you think that the higher self is always kind? Yes, because I think that higher self is constantly patient and compassionate because higher self knows who you are (laughs) even when you don't. You know, like everybody has a higher self, even if they're not conscious of it, because everybody is born whole. But, you know, through when we are socialized in this world and we have all these experiences, we start to believe that we actually need these outside validations. And we start to believe this system of hierarchy as the truth, as as reality, when actually it's not. These are just concepts that have been created um, in human culture. And so when you realize that you are enough just how you are, it's like you understand that shame and guilt and and negativity and criticism actually doesn't help you. You know, Um, if you think about when you're a kid, like if somebody is shaming you for misbehaving or encouraging you and like telling you, hey, you know, I really care about you. That's why I don't want you to do that. Love is really the only power in the situation. And I guess that's really the message of the whole thing, that love is actually the only the only reality And it's the only way we're actually going to change the consciousness of the planet, because basically what we've been doing is just doing the same thing over and over again, you know, and we need that, that shift in our consciousness in order to 
evolve and survive as a species. I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to make it until we realize that we're actually all one. And to me, that's what love is, is the realization that we are, that we are one and that we are complete just how we are and everybody is. When you try to see through that lens, it's not like you get taken advantage of or like condone harmful behavior. You actually are able to see the truth. You're actually able to see why people do what they do. And you're actually able to make better boundaries because you understand your worth and you don't want to enable that type of behavior either. So to me, I mean, the only real place of power is compassion. You know, that's really the only place where you're truly in power. I love that. That's so beautiful and so resonant. I think about shame a lot. I think about the paralyzing nature of shame and how shame really prevents us from being able to express our truth. Because if we feel like we are going to get in trouble, if we feel like we're going to be judged, if we feel like we're going to be ridiculed, we end up obviously like, you know, chopping off parts of ourselves, you know, trying to truncate ourselves and make ourselves fit into these boxes that have nothing to do with our own form at all. And the, the process of, you know, how can we be compassionate for ourselves, recognize ourselves as complex beings that are neither good nor bad, but just simply are, and are these incredible multidimensional forces that do sometimes the most like incredible, generous, courageous things. And then also things that are, we're not proud of and without judgment, being able to accept all of that as truth without bringing in a layer of shame. Like I'm trying to get shame out of the equation as Mm -hmm. much as possible, because I feel like it is such a, I feel like it is one of the largest obstacles for so Mm -hmm. many, including myself to maneuver. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, spiritual people or people who are really trying to be on the path of inner growth can be the hardest on themselves because they believe that they need to be in order to (laughs) be better. And I just feel so much that the spiritual path isn't about reaching at some point in the future, like being better, a better person. It's really about accepting who you are in the moment, because that's actually the only thing that's real. Otherwise, other, everything else is just like a projection of the, on the future or the past. So I like to think of higher self as kind of like, you know, how you like that higher self is kind of your higher self is kind of looking at you, how you would see a child making mistakes because they didn't know better or, you know, and just with total, like a total compassionate heart guiding you to the right path. That's kind of how I try to approach thinking about it. Um, Because actually I had a spiritual, the reason why I really channeled into that is when I was going through that really hard time in 2016, I was at a really low point. That was my really low point too. Really? Yeah. 2016. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. And, you know, it was like the point where I was like, is love real? You know, like, <laughs> it was like, it was like that. And I just, I was like sitting on the edge of my bed and I was just really low, like super low. And I just kind of closed my eyes and I just had this vision of myself, like on the edge of the bed, like I was watching myself 
and I could see myself. And then I like came next to myself and I like held myself. And I was like, it's okay. Like, you're okay. Just how you are. Like, everything is okay. And it was just this such a feeling of relief to be able to tell myself that, you know? And I kind of like came out of it and realized that it was really myself that I was looking for. That's so beautiful. You know? And that's kind of, that's when I started, really started accessing that voice. I mean, I had glimpses before I'd been like on a spiritual path for a long time, but that was a very transformative experience for me. And that's kind of how I've approached it. You know, that total compassion, that total acceptance. Yeah. I, that was in 2016 when I ran out of money again and had to sell all of my earthly belongings, move back to New York, confront the addiction in my family head on alone by myself, no like career, no identity. Everything was gone at that point, you know, cause I had been wrung out through the have you know, what started as like, Oh, I guess gallery work isn't for me into like a whole host of other crazy things for like mm-hmm. six or seven years, finally back in New York. And I had a sort of similar breakthrough, which was like a surrender, you know, it was a surrender in recognizing that I was fighting so hard to, for what, you know, and it wasn't a, Mm -hmm. I wasn't throwing in the towel. It was like a really empowering. It was a really empowered surrender of like, yeah, you have no money. (laughs) Like, yeah, you have like, there's no plan. You are Mm -hmm. alone. You are in this by yourself. Like, that's all true. You know, these things are all true Mm -hmm. and allowing those to just be true rather than to fight them or try to make Mm -hmm. them more digestible or make them more accessible, like actually gave me so much confidence and the ability to keep going in a way that Mm -hmm. when I felt like I was just like, you know, being dragged along on the back of a car, trying Mm -hmm. to pretend like all of this wasn't happening. Like I was getting so ripped up trying to fix everything. And then to just not fix anything and just be like, this is where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what it is. It opened up possibilities and potential that I had no idea that I could even access. Yeah. And and also being able to have those realizations in times that are hard are going to help you because there's going to be other hard times in your life. We're all going to face difficult situations. We're going to face loss pain, suffering, that is part of the human experience. It is. Yeah. And if you don't know who you are really in your depth, when things are taken away from you, you're going to not (laughs) be okay. And unless you are really grounded in a sense of identity that is beyond all of this stuff, you know, all of these things, our jobs, our relationships, you know, our bodies, our possessions, that's the benefit of having, you know, those down and out times in our life is that you learn that when everything's taken away, you really kind of find yourself. So a lot of the things that I try to talk to people about, is it about like, okay, how do I fix, you know, this, or how do I reach every goal? It's, you know, for me, I like to really focus on making the goal, accepting yourself now, because yeah. that's actually what's going to sustain all of that. All of that stuff will just happen naturally like that. Right. It's all just going to happen, you know, and but being really grounded and being like, I am enough right now, just like 
at right now, and I always have been actually, like that's the truth of the situation is going to really change how you experience all the ups and downs. Yeah, totally. And it's something that I also wrote about in in my book, This Is Your Destiny, that came out last year. Like was, and it was similarly, I can relate to the process of like writing and being like, oh shit, like that is what it is. Because <laughs> in that it was like, you know, recognizing that so in the chapter on love, like so much of what I would hear with my clients is like, oh, like, you know, when I'm have a job or when I reach this goal weight, or when I do this, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to put myself out there and try to start dating. And that is a losing battle, you know, Mm -hmm. because what it says to the universe, to yourself is that you're not good enough Mm -hmm. and that there are certain things that have to change about you in order for you to be received and accepted. And Mm -hmm. that's just not the case. You're always good enough. You know, you're always, it's always the right time for you to to lean in and to move towards the things that you want. You know, Mm -hmm. you're never going to be better than you are in the moment that you are in right now. You you Mm -hmm. simply can't be because there's no Mm -hmm. better. It's just a process. It's the growth. It's the journey. So you're going to change, but you're not going to be better. There's no morality associated with it. Yeah. And also too, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned is that once you get the good thing, it's like, okay, what's next? You know, it's just totally. like, it, it, it satisfies you for like a second and then you're on to the next thing that will make you better. If you're always trying to fulfill that sense of lack, it's never going to be enough. Right. And then where does that lack even come from? I would say that it is maybe a bastardization of some evolutionary biological things within us, but it also really is a byproduct of marketing. You know, everything Mm -hmm. that is being sold to us all the time is being sold because we need something better. You know, I just Mm -hmm. bought a bathing suit story of right now because they were like, this is the best bathing suit. All your other bathing suits are shit. This is the best one. And if you get this, you're going to have the best bathing suit. And I was like, fuck yeah, I need the best bathing suit. But that's like, that's a microcosm of the type of conditioning of the experience that we have growing up here, you know, at least here in the United States, where we are bombarded with commercials and advertising. And the intention is to sell, you know, the intention is to make money. So if from such a young age, we're learning that we're wearing the wrong jeans, that we need to be doing our hair differently, that we need to be, there's a better way that we could be meditating. There's a better way we could be exercising. There's a better way we could be optimizing. Then we're always going to be trying to seek that because that is what we are being told constantly. Mm -hmm. So it's to sort of say, actually, I'm good, you know, Mm -hmm. as like a, as on an existential level is really an act of, to me, it's very subversive because it goes against all of the, the whole structure, you know, the whole structure is saying that you aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. So to say, actually, I'm good is like one of the most rebellious, contentious things that anyone can do. Yeah. And it actually empowers you to really enjoy stuff too. Like when you don't see your relationship as fulfilling a sense of lack, you actually get to know the person for who they are and you're actually present with them. And, you know, you don't put that pressure on the relationship, ultimately destroying it because it's supposed to like make you complete or whatever, you know, we tell ourselves relationships are supposed to do, or even your bathing suit, you know, you can actually enjoy the beauty of the bathing suit without thinking it's going to make you better or as a person or, you know, a m- more beautiful because you have it, you know? Um, so it's funny because we think that, oh, if we let go of 
trying to reach for those goals or trying to better ourselves, like we're somehow going to be like not experiencing any joy or something. It's actually the opposite because you can actually experience and enjoy things way more when you don't need them or you're not attached to them in order to fulfill you. You actually get to really have a good time. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I would love to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest on the show. The first is, what do you believe in? I believe in our capacity to love each other. Beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, no notes. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Question number two is, how does magic show up in your life? I guess magic shows up in the recognition that actually that's what's real and, and this like form reality isn't. So I guess magic shows up every time I channel in to that sense of the beyond, which I try to do as much as I, as much as possible (laughs) throughout the day. I really like to think of magic as like turning on a light and that we all have that kind of access. Really just, I really think of it as just like chanting into actually what's real. Yeah, totally. So I would love to pull a card for you if you are interested. I have um, the deck that I have in front of me right now is the Black Moon Astrology cards. It's an oracle deck. When I have my tarot deck, I have this very, you know, that deck says you need to have a very specific question in order to pull a card or else we're not going to. (laughs) or else good luck interpreting it. This deck is a little different. This gives us a little bit more. This is more like archetype based. So it gives us a little bit more room for interpretation. So I would love to invite you to ask uh, an open-ended question, a question that might not be as specific as it it would be if we were using the tarot, something that we could pull a card to understand sort of the imagery, the archetypes, the symbolism of what this deck offers. What is the vibe I need to make healthier choices about my body? Okay, cool. I can absolutely work with that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. What do you need to know in order to make healthier choices about your body? All right. Would you like me to work with pile one, two, or three? Three. All right. What does Bunny need to know in order to make healthier choices about their body? Saturn return, age is what the keyword is associated with this card, but (laughs) (laughs) you're like, no, (laughs) not Saturn. (laughs) I would say what comes up to me immediately is being like kind to yourself about the fact that your body is like the most important thing that it can do is take care of you, you know? Mm -hmm. And what this card says in response to that question to me is like, focus less on the, the, the most significant thing is like, is it functioning? You know, is it healthy? Is it doing what it needs to do in order to support you and keep you alive and to keep you being able to create the art that you want to create. That's the most important baseline. And then anything else beyond that is, you know, unnecessary. The most Mm -hmm. necessary thing is like, is this a sustainable uh, container vessel? And how can I continue to sustain this vessel and, and just focus on that as the movement rather than anything else that could be pulling Mm. your attention into more like 
disordered thinking about it. Yeah. That also makes me feel like even just acknowledging it, even just being grateful. Right. Will help. Totally. For what my, my sweet body does for me every day. Thank you, body. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And you know, the Saturn return, having this card come up age, you know, like that's, that feels the gravity of that is the gravity of it. I mean, it's very tank. It's very, there are no coincidences. Like mm-hmm. I have, uh, my grandmother is 92. She's in a nursing home. I, she was my closest relative and seeing someone when they get into their nineties and seeing, you know, just the natural changes of a body and that the body do, doesn't do the same things that it does when you're younger. I think that that is so profoundly significant and for me has been very healing and very sobering in like mm-hmm. my gratitude of like yeah it's not my body is not like there's things that I wish it would do differently but I'm also just really grateful to have the youth that I still have yeah. while I still have it because it's not going to last forever mm-hmm. yeah it's it's old people, Saturn, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Saturn has been such a big theme of my life right now. So, yeah, it's like... <laughs> oh, there he is, Saturn. <laughs> it's like slow realizations and like, okay, you know, um, yeah. And, you know, it's so funny too that we tend to define healthy as like six pack or something, you know what I mean? Like our whole concept of healthy and it, and when you tell yourself that you're not healthy or, you know, like that you don't have a healthy body or, or whatever, how it really ingrains that into your belief. It's just not true. No, it's not. And the diet culture, pharmaceutical culture, you know, medical marketing, like is probably some of the most disgusting and, yeah, you know, demonic, frankly, of all of it, because it creates correlations between, you know, what we think healthy is, and then also what we think beauty is. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't do a very good job separating like what is actually going to keep someone alive. And then also like what this fucked up, you know, white supremacy societal standards Mm -hmm. are and it doesn't delineate that it just folds them into each other yes absolutely and I talk about this stuff all of the time and it's so funny how like you tell people like about all of these concepts and then you find yourself that you really need to practice the things that you preach yeah I I think I mean it's always a it's a practice. Yeah. It's a practice. (laughs) It's a practice. It's it's like you, one has to like commit to it being a practice because there is definitely no like, well, I'm spiritually awakened. Yeah. (laughs) No, no more. Will I have feelings of limitations or doubt or criticisms about myself? Actually, I just realized that's kind of like the, the coolest part about aging is that you're just like having different experiences all of the time faced with different challenges all of the time, you know, 
as time goes by. Wow, you just really channeled Saturn right there. (laughs) You're like, the coolest thing about aging is that it just gets harder. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but as a Capricorn rising, I hear you. I I co-sign. I co-sign for sure. It is the coolest part about aging. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's wild. Where can our listeners find you and connect with you and uh, be on this journey with you? Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Bunny Michael. You can listen to XO Higher Self podcasts everywhere where podcasts are. And I'd love for you to check out the web series, which is at whatwouldhiresselfdo.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. 